Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. You'll notice if you're seeing my video today, the virtual background's gone and we're in the physical world. So uh, that's what happens. I've got a really neat person on the call today. Ian Koniak is running Koniak, Ian Koniak Sales Coaching, and he helps salespeople, but also leaders and, and salespeople kind of how to get out of their own way because we put in upper limits. We put in stories that we tell ourselves about our past and where we can go. And he just helps us unlock our selling potential. So Ian, welcome to the show. Chad, I'm so glad to be chatting with you and thanks for having me on. Man, what's fun about these conversations is that a lot of people look at us walking down the street or walking up your prior uh, employer, a big CRM in San Francisco, and they're like, oh, that guy's really got it together. Well, on the underside, right? They see the front, all the pretty colors of our face and everything. On the back is like this hidden stuff that we carry around with us. So I want to dig into that a little bit today. Before we get to the hard stuff, I like to start with the easy stuff. And that is take us back to when you're five, six years old, you're, you're, you know, the world hasn't yet put a mark on you. You've just got your passion that you were given by God. What was your thing at age five and six? Do you remember? Yeah, it's so funny. I have a five-year-old at home and, um, you know, I hope he has this, like I remember it when I was five, but it was just playing with my dad. You know, I, I, my my parents were divorced and I'd fly out to New York every summer and winter and be with my father. And I just remember, you know, doing little model, you know, airplanes with him and little RC cars and just playing cards. And I don't know if it was five or six or seven, but just that bonding time I had with my father when I was a little kid was just so special. And um, there wasn't like a specific hobby or thing I did, but it was just that quality time, you know, just enjoying and being present. And I, I think I try to spend time with my kids, both boys, um, in the same vein of just being present and doing whatever they want to do to have fun. And it's, it's uh, some of my best memories. It, it's interesting. I, I often find that it, you kind of have one stronger feeling of either mom, mom or the dad. And so now there's unique relationships with mom or dad. What was, um, out of curiosity, what was the relationship with mom look like? My mom was, um, they're so different. So my dad, you know, was, was, uh, unfortunately he struggled from addiction and he died when I was only 20 years old. And I never saw that part of him. You know, I saw the best light of him and it was just this pure, 
um, love. And it, it was almost like he didn't fit in with the world. You know, he had this big heart and such ambitious dream. He loved camping and nature. And, you know, with him, it was always just fun. You know, he loved to have fun. He had a heart of a child and he was just playful and always humorous. And, you know, I think um, he was also tormented, you know, having his children um, go from, you know, marriage and kids to us living in California and he was in New York by himself. So he, he really, um, you know, ha had his demons as well. But as far as like the relationship with my mom, it was very like, my mom was working two jobs raising us. She was single. She brought me and my brother from New York to California. So it was like very business-like almost. My mom um, was such a good provider in her, what she taught me. And, and I have a big part of this now with my kids was, you know, you take care of your family. And my mom would work two or three jobs and, mm -hmm. you know, she'd have nannies with, with us when we were young. So she could be able to provide for us um, because she was on her own raising two kids as a single mom. And so it was very much a, with my dad, it was all fun with my mom. It was like more strict and, mm -hmm. you know, focus on your schoolwork. And, you know, she, she's a professor at UCLA and she's just a really hard worker. So she emphasized the value of education and, you know, you know, hard work. And, and that's a big part of me too, but it wasn't the same playfulness that I had with, with my dad. It was sure. more, it, I, I looked at her as more of like authoritative figure versus dad who would let me, you know, get away with stuff and get the candy that I couldn't get in the cereal with my mom, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, wow. That's mom. cool. See, was ours like, was reversed. My dad was more, he was out working in his radiology job. However, we did build cars together. We flew the remote control airplane that was on a rope, you know, or the string. Yeah. That was cool. I can still smell that. And um, and my parents were, they were a pretty liberal family. Like they let me go out on my own and the rope was really long. So I appreciated that. And I tried to do that with my kids. And similarly, my my wife was similar to your mom, is similar because you need the yin and the yang balance, right? It, you got to have that. Hey, let's stay on the tracks. And now they're, they're better off because of the, the couple of us, yeah. um, better schooling, better grades, all of it. So it's a, it's a hard balance sometimes to, to put into place. So yeah, it's ironic because I resented my mom because she was so strict and had all the rules. And I think I acted out quite a bit and went down a certain path because I wanted to rebel, but yet it was my father who ended up you know, in some ways abandoning me by dying at, at such a young age through mm. his choices. So now I, I really, I mean, I admire both of them in different ways, but, you know, I have a lot of uh, reverence and respect for my mom who made a lot of sacrifices. So, you know, we could have the lives we have and, and you just appreciate things differently. As a kid. How do you think that upbringing ties into the kind of work you do today let's think about your crm job where were you leading people uh in that role or so. i was an individual contributor selling um okay. i i before my crm job i did have a big team i had eight employees that rolled up to me and my um i was kind of going down that sales leadership role and i i, I worked my way up and just you know i shifted away from the customers so it it, it ultimately I love selling. So I wanted to go back to it and decided to stay selling at Salesforce. And I'm glad I did, but it was, it was definitely a leadership role because in Salesforce, you know, they, they have so many companies that they own. They have MuleSoft and Slack and Tableau and all of these tech companies they bought. And I carried the whole bag. So I'd have to bring in different teams and different people and kind of quarterback our largest, most strategic accounts with this giant bag of products. So in any one meeting that I was running, it'd be 20, 25 people on a team supporting an account. And I was in charge with the strategy and definitely leadership, but I, I didn't have direct reports. And I think 
Um, I mean, I, I don't know about my, what my dad's, you know, background or upbringing and how that helped me. I think in general, um, I think I was, I was very friendly and humorous and charismatic. And I get that from my dad, like a people person. My dad was always really good with people and everyone loved him. And my mom was just a hard worker and just really kind of her work ethic is unparalleled. And I think I picked up that from her. So the combination of work ethic and charisma lended itself really, really well, not just for the sales, but also leadership too, when, when I was running teams. How did you decide and it's interesting because I would use the words you decide because you actually made the decision to move on. There's a lot of people in America and across the world right now that the decision's being made for them. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about, you know, what helped you understand that this entrepreneurship journey can work for you. And, and then think about someone who's listening on the other side of the table. Who's like, yeah, you don't understand. I just lost my job. I was fired. And how can you speak into their thinking as well right now? Well, for me, um, I, I had a lot of success at Salesforce. I was their number one account executive in, in the enterprise select division. I certainly had my share of failures, but I rose out stronger. And um, when you're number one at Salesforce, you're making very good money. So I was able to, um, you know, to, to become a self-made multimillionaire. And um, at that point, it wasn't about the money anymore, right? I had what I needed. I had a beautiful house and I had my investments straightened and it was like, I'd always wanted to, to, to coach and help people. Um, what, what made me kind of start my own company, the journey started back in 2018. So similar to yourself, I imagine is I had my own near death experience in uh, 2018 in December. And I'd already been thinking about, you know, what I really wanted to do with my life. And I came to the conclusion I wouldn't be in sales forever, but that near-death experience really kind of shook me on, on my head and, and, and made me um, accelerate that journey quite a bit. And so um, what was happening is I, I went um, to Six Flags Magic Mountain, a, a theme park in California, and I went on what was called a flying coaster. And the flying coaster is, is a coaster in which the track hangs above you versus below you. So you are emulating flying. You, you swing down at a 90 degree angle and you're hanging on a little bar. Um, and, you know, there's nothing below you. There's no track below you. It's above you. And that ride uh, got stuck in its peak, um, hanging wow. upside down for 30 minutes. Um, wow. And I was staring. I was staring at a 180 foot drop hanging off a little bar. And I truly did think I would die. And I started praying. And I started praying and um, I was so scared. And, you know, in that moment it clicked. I, I, I made a promise to God and I said, God, I'm not going to wait any longer. I will start serving other people. And that epiphany was that I had used my gifts to serve myself in my bank account my whole life. And, you know, in that moment, I realized I was keeping it all to myself and I could actually make a big positive impact on the world and help others. And I said, God, I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm not. I'm going to do it now. And within a few moments, you know, the ride started going. Ride so went. Like, of course it did. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it so, works. So yeah, I, absolutely. It was like you pray and the prayers are answered and, you know, faith is something that you can't see or hear, but I felt it in, in my heart and, and that's, you know, my journey and how it began. So for me, it wasn't about, you know, necessarily, oh, I, I'm not fulfilled in sales. It was about more of a calling and, and a calling to serve and to share and to give and to help other people um, tap into what I had tapped into. Um, and, and that calling was just getting started. It changed a lot from that day. It's changed a lot in the three years, but that was kind of 
Um, after that, I started my business. I started kind of coaching as a side hustle. I did it for a few years. And once the income was that, that I saw it was very, you know, it, it was not, I won't say very lucrative. Yeah, it was, not quite least, like the old days, but enough to, enough to get let me you by, do what you want to do. Yeah. To make me successful. And I saw the upside and money was not an inhibitor to me yes. doing it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to cut the cord, do it full time. Because I think I had been been telling myself a story up until that point that the money was the most important thing. And since I had such a great position, I was kind of tethered to that in some way. But um, once once I saw, you know, improve firsthand, for me, I like to see things first sometimes before I dive in the deep end. So once I saw the demand was there in the market, that I was getting clients and that there was a big need for what I was selling in, in my coaching style, which was not, is not being delivered in, in corporate today, um, then, then I, I really just, you know, said, you know what, it's time. And, and fortunately I was able to, you know, to do that and, and didn't skip a beat. So I'm just super grateful. And, you know, the, it's just beginning. My story is literally just beginning now. And I'm so excited for what lies ahead. That's awesome. Well, so you're hanging there 180 feet from the ground, staring down the barrel of death. And was, was that the most painful memory you had, or I have no, to believe there's something no. with, uh, well, you know, when you're a kid with your parents and stuff like that, what, what's something that's the buzzsaw of life that you're comfortable sharing? So my, my biggest value is integrity um, and integrity and honesty for me is, is foundational. So I, I, I've gone here a few times. I try not to, but you're asking about it. And, and I'm, I've shared the story many times, but um, there, there's a few painful memories, but um, my, my most painful memory came um, when uh, it was on, it was on the day I got sober and I hit a rock bottom and it happened February 13th, 2020. So this happened, um, almost two years ago. And it was, um, you know, a day that, that I'll never forget because I had been, you know, I came from a family where addiction is, is very, um, real and, and alcohol, um, in sex and, um, gambling and you, you, you name it, our family's kind of you know, um, been there and, and, and especially on the male side of the family. And I had always been such a highly performing, you know, successful person on the surface that I thought, you know what, I don't have a problem because obviously, you know, I got the wife, the kids, the house, you know, the great job I'm performing. It's only a problem if it, you know, gets you on the street or, you know, you, you lose your job. Yes. Or so I was in this denial. And I think that's probably, you know, fairly common for people that are highly successful and, you know, might, might have some, some demons or skeletons that they've never yeah. dealt with. So for me, my skeleton was always sex. And, and it was something that I, I didn't really think too much about, right. It was something that I um, just thought was being a man. And, you know, you look at other women and um, I married a Christian woman and, and she's a devout Christian. And I kind of dismissed her values and what she thought about as, you know, nonsense as, you know, overly conservative and, you know, specifically she had certain viewpoints about pornography or strip clubs or any of those, um, you know, we'll call it lustful sins um, that are, that are um, very common in, in our society. And, and yeah. she told me when we got married, she said, Ian, I don't care what you do on your bachelor party. Don't go to a strip club. That's cheating for me. And so, you know, for me, I, I uh, unfortunately did not stop, um, you know, when I got married, I didn't stop some of these activities because I rationalized and thought, you know, my wife's just a little bit too conservative. I'm not cheating, no big deal, whatever. So I, I kept stuff from, from her and, um, you know, it, it all came out and hit the fan in, in February 13th. And specifically she had, she had discovered that I was going on adult sites and hiding, you know, and hiding it. And, um, 
it broke her. I mean, it literally broke, broke her. She, we were pregnant. She was pregnant at the time. Um, we had our, she was four months pregnant. And um, when she found out about this, she, she literally co collapsed on the floor and was just shaking uncontrollably. And right. It because it's as if you went, it's as if you crossed the line. And that's, what's important that to God, all things are sin, right? A sin's a sin's a sin, whether you thought it or did it. Yeah. And it's I mean, like, it's wow. Cool in God's eyes, looking at a naked woman, yeah. you know, live or having her grind on you. Yeah. That's not acceptable. That's yeah. not okay. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. anyway, I'll, I'll give you the, 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 um, edited version. Um, we, you know, it got scary very quick. So seeing her in pain, you know, was one thing, but then she started having labor contractions. And so we were four months, you know, pregnant and we had already had a miscarriage the year before. And I, at that moment, I'm like, oh my God, what have yeah, I done? That's the moment that you, cause you said, if it ever gets to a point where it's a crossing of the threshold, boom, there was the threshold. That was it for me. Yeah. So we rushed off to the doctor and the whole entire time I'm thinking, you know, it's one thing thinking you're going to die. It's another thing, thing thinking you are going to be responsible for the death of your unborn son. And so um, it was the scariest, most painful memory riding to the hospital. We get there, the doctor, you know, puts the um, ultrasound device on. And I, I, you know, it was the longest kind of 10 seconds that I've ever had in my life. Cause I thought there wouldn't be a heartbeat. He was checking, he was checking. And then he's like, there's a heartbeat. Wow. And that must yeah. be the best day of your life right there. I was so that. relieved. I was so scared, but on that car ride over the hospital, I, same thing. I mean, for me, some people can get a nudge. I need an earthquake in my face to like, wake sure, up, you sure, know, sure. and so, so on the way there, I was just praying and praying. And I said, God, I don't care. Please don't take this baby. Please don't take this baby. I'll do whatever I can to get help. I will do like, I'll give it to you. I, I like seeing the pain and seeing that I could have like caused the death of my son. I mean, by God's grace, he's healthy. He's the happiest baby in the world. He's, yes. you know, he's 15 months old now. This was, this was a while ago, but um, I've been 20 months sober now from, from pornography. Um, I haven't gotten drunk. I got rid of Adderall. I mean, I, I wiped everything. It wasn't just the porn. Yes, I mean, yes, yes. So, so Love I, to hear that. Man. I made, I made some massive changes. I got in the recovery. So that was by far the most painful was like seeing what my actions caused to someone I truly did love. And in our, our marriage, by God's grace, is better than it's ever been. Our children, we feel so blessed. I mean, there's always going to be things in a marriage that are disagreements or, you know, that, that, that are, but, but it's not, there's no secrets. There's nothing hidden. She knows everything I've ever done. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've come to uh, repentance in a, in a severe way. And, and I've been in, in many ways um, sanctified in the process of, of coming to Jesus and coming to, for me, um, understand the nature of my sins and why I did it and, and really discovering this other side and walking in, in the spirit for me has been everything. So now whatever I do, it's, I try to keep my values really centered around, you know, goodness and honesty and kindness and love. And um, that's, what's most important. So I've just shifted so many things in my life and leaving Salesforce was part of that shift to take away that, you know, stress and pressure and what comes with that type of responsibility and job and really pursue my passion full time. And, and so that was definitely the most painful memory was that day yeah. when I thought I was going to Well, leave. thank you for sharing because I find over and over and over again, you can, I've talked to people who've lost a lot, lost a leg, two people and almost died from that. And, you know, the sharing of your son's story, mine happened February 17th this year. So my son is 19 and he was cooking in his apartment at Colorado School of Mines and he puts the panko in the oil and it caught fire. 
Well, that wasn't the big problem. The problem was when he put it in the sink and it blew up in his face. So he got second, third degree burns on his face and hands. We met him at the hospital. My wife met him at the ambulance. I met him at the hospital. He's in gauze and bandages for three weeks. They literally had to scrape off his entire face and both sides of his hands every day for two weeks. And so you're like, similar story, right? You're like, dude, what's going to happen here? And, and all you can do is relinquish control and say, God, I surrender, like, please. And so my mom prayed all night one night. I posted on LinkedIn. I had thousands of people praying for him. And the power of the thousands of people praying was like, wow, I've never felt this. And it was immediate. Like our knee-jerk reaction was faith. Some people's like, how could look God let this dude, God doesn't bring in the two by four. That's the world. God brings in, I ordered these things recently. He brings, he cries. Literally he's, that's why the weeping thing in Mexico and things he's crying. I talked to a lady who was physically abused in college. And later in the podcast, I said, how did that become a gift later? She goes, because God was there in that moment. Like I saw him crying outside the window. And yes. she, and it, and it was like, that gave me the faith to make it through just like your, your 10 seconds of God, please. I know you got this. And then boom, the heartbeat hits. Yeah. It's just yeah. magic. It is. And, and, and there's scripture. I don't know what, I don't know the, the exact verse, but it says, God loves, you know, a weeping heart. Cause that's when you open him up and let him in. Right. Yes, and so in, yes, those, yes. in those real deep, you know, darkest moments when you let go and you let God in, like you are so close to him. And that, that's really how I felt like not, I mean, that was just the start of my recovery journey, right? There were a lot more moments where I had to let it go. And especially coming clean to my wife about, you know, the nature of my sins. I mean, that was the hardest thing I've ever done, but I, I knew that, you know, if our marriage is going to work, it had to be built on. Yeah. Well, I even said this morning, I had a dream because similarly, right. Um, you go travel out of town, you're watching a you know, a movie you're flicking through the channels going, huh, I hope there's, you know, Brooks on there. Or so, you know, like whoever's on, right. And you're like, Oh, I will watch this crappy movie because she's cute. Yeah. Yeah, and so, right. but, but, and then you run into a lobby. I was a speaker at a hotel in Galveston once and I walk in and the cutest girl you've ever seen is there. And I was like, Hey, and, and I, but I'm the wingman. I have always committed myself to being the wingman and not the lead man. Uh, and uh, you know, in my married days. So I was like, Hey, you should come party. And she's like, no, no, I'm going to bed. My husband's upstairs. And we're like, okay, cool. Well, we go up to the suite and we're watching this movie with this group of speakers that I was with. Well, then we leave and there's the girl. And, and I'm like, huh? And she goes, yeah, you guys want to go party? And, we, and, and I'm going down to my room and we get in the elevator. She goes, aren't you coming? Don't you, don't you like to two guys, don't you want to come hook up with me? And I was like, no, bye. And I ran to my door and I slammed the door and locked it. And I was just like, the tempt I don't even like the temptation of that, right? I told my wife all about that when I got home. And so this, yeah. that last night I had a dream of some girl kissing me. And I, after about five seconds, I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is this some demon trying to come in? Get out of here. The next day I woke up this morning. I go, hey, babe, I had a dream some girl was trying to kiss me. I go, give me a kiss because that was mean. <laughs> you know? yeah. And she, and that's just like open and honesty is such there, a- There's, um, the enemy knows where to get you. That's all I can tell you. Like yeah. there is something real with God. There's an opposite and equal dangerous force of the world that's, that's right. pulling it, pulling at your temptations and desires and literally putting things in front of you. I remember when I, when I got sober, you know, so my, again, I, I stopped viewing pornography and, and anything related to that. Um, strip clubs, anything that I, I mean, it's 
you know, so far thing in the past, but I remember I was like a week or two in and, you know, I just wanted a harmless go to the beach with my wife. I, I just wanted like just some peace with her. And, you know, and we were in a, going through a tough time. Well, right in front of us, some people decided to do a photo shoot and it's like a bunch of people doing <laughs> working, working in thongs. I'm like, you gotta be fucking <laughs> talk about, you know, and it's like, it's literally going to be dangled in front of you to see, and of there's going to be those tests and you can't explain this shit. One, one more example like this. And when I got sober, there was one guy that I used to, you know, kind of, I'll say act out with, or, you know, he, he would show me, you know, stuff that was inappropriate. And, and this guy, um, we were on our way to a retreat, a personal development retreat of all things. And of all, of all, I, I, you know, of all the flights going to Colorado from LAX, he happened to be on my flight. Um, you know, he wasn't even from the areas. So I don't know how he was on that flight and sitting right next to me, the guy who was like the one person, my wife's like, never talked to that guy. <laughs> oh yeah. We've all got one of those. And, and he takes, and he takes out his phone. He's like, Oh, you got to see all the women I'm hooking up with. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking see it. Just yeah. don't like, it, I, you can't explain this. Shit. I totally forgot about that until now, but like there's, there's forces in this world, yeah. which will, you know, especially if you're wavering, especially when you go to one side or the other, the enemy is going to maybe not, not go. As yeah. They'll hard. pour they'll gas burn. on the fire. Either but, side you choose. Cause when you're going for awesomeness, yeah. it becomes awesome, right? You're in 24 months of like, you can't make this stuff up. The people no. you meet are all amazing. You see the gifts in them. Like life Whoa. changes. All right, it's let's so keep cool. going. Cause we've got it's a like couple more wavering, questions. It's like that wavering thing. You've got to pick your side and go all in. That's, that's my advice. Cause I was wavering my whole life. I, I've changed this one up and I, and I've, you've got the 12 questionnaire. Now I'm down to seven. So we're going to cut to, to one that says, define faith because sometimes if i say what does faith mean to you i already know the answer oh it's everything you know our knee jerk is that so no. if you define it for you through a story or however you want right what is faith to you yeah i think it kind of piggybacks on what we're talking about right when i think of faith i think of like trusting in your heart that which you cannot see mm-hmm. or hear right it, it's it's the feeling in your heart that is cultivated by, I mean, actually the, the scripture that I was reading um, yesterday on the plane was, was cultivating faith. And I'll just, you know, give you my, it's not my definition. It comes from Hebrews 11, one, it says, faith is the assured expectation of what is hoped for the evident demonstration of realities that are not seen. So assured expectation of what is hoped for the evident demonstration of realities that are not seen so i think the origins of the word faith is with confidence right it's it's that leap of faith knowing and i'm not talking about religious it could be religious for me that we're talking about divinity we're talking about um god but i think faith in general as a definition is a a true belief a knowingness in your heart of what's real without necessarily the the proof or, or the physical things that you can see or hear but it's that assured um, expectation that it's all going to work out because you're you're doing it, it's just that internal knowingness that comes from from god really um so that that's how i would define it wow yeah that's so good man because there's another quote that says you know when you it says you know tithe time talent possessions and when you do it says prove me on this now one translation says test and we know god would never say test 
So that's the translators are interesting. You have to actually read who's, you know, where follow the money on the translators of the Bible, just like the news report. There's a lot of versions for sure. It's really interesting, but test me on this, prove me on this. So as I, I now work 75% for God Inc. Like I'm really all in on 20 different people that are, we're not charging them anything, if anything, like dollars instead of thousands of dollars. And it's like, Ever since I've gone 70%, I'm about to go 100 any any day now, 100% working for God, Inc. The floodgates are open. Like this stock comes through that's 10 years in the making that went public. This one, and, and not just money, right? Because to your point, it doesn't, Gary V says, doesn't matter if you make it $50,000 a year or 500000 You can align your spending habits to what you want to be doing for your life. You can work at home flipping depot and enjoy yourself. And get to meet people or drive an Uber. So, man, the floodgates, just try it. What do you have to lose? I created an app after my son's burn accident. It's called 77 Pray. It bookends your day with prayer. So it pops up because we forget, we drift. And so the devil likes to use drift against us. So it's a dollar a month and we give all the money to foodfororphans.org. So we're sponsoring about five or six kids right now. We're growing uh, doubling since we launched it, like, you know, 30 to 60, 60 to 120. I'm hoping the 120 goes to 240 and so on and so forth. But we'll be for $11 a month, we can sponsor a kid who would not otherwise have food. COVID's wiped out entire town. Six-year-olds are- Count me, count me in if I can support yeah, you. Yeah, man, I'd love, you, I'd love to show you it because the crowdsourcing of prayer is so neat too, because that's what my son needed. And so you just post and now it's not on Facebook, right? I don't trust that application very much. So I'd rather post it in a private community. Yeah, good but, for uh, you, man. I mean, I, I'm not there. I, I'm running, you know, I, I, I definitely am charging for my services. Um, but that that longer term is, is I, I, you know, one day I, I'm, what I'm hoping to do is bring something to the realm of, you know, I'm a month into this full-time journey. Yes, yeah, I'm yeah, 42 yeah, yeah, yeah. and still supporting yeah. my family. But what I'm, you know, something I've kind of toyed with, you know, for a while is like how scripture can be applied in sales in, in, their, in life in general and, you know, Bible principles in sales. Well, you know. check out, um, it's called Sell Like Jesus, because okay. we started writing a book. We're going to call it God-Centered Selling. And the yeah. darts that come at you are hard and fast and furious by people that you know and you think you respect. But sure. this lady, Deb Brown Marr, already wrote the book. So when I started doing research, I'm like, oh, you already took all the darts. Okay. I don't have to take the darts. And her yeah. book is nothing short of fabulous. And she's a really good person. Um, and I think we can partner because when we give these services, there's diamonds in the rough that you can't even imagine that we, you know, once we start helping them with their website, their personal branding, their video, their all the basics, and then email outreach and LinkedIn automation outreach and all kinds of things, voicemail drops, pull the list. I mean, everything I've done and as an inside sales leader for 30 years, now I get to go parlay and it costs me two hours of my time and maybe $12 a month for a Squarespace website, like not yeah. that much. So I, I do plant all those little seeds and it's amazing because the love you pour in, once they start hitting, you know, then it's like, okay, how do I now sell this? Perfect. Let me introduce you to Ian. He's your guy. Let me introduce you to Deb, right? That kind of thing. So yeah, that's great. It's great, man. It's, it's great that your skills and your life kind of work is now being used for good. And you know, I 
Yeah, I mean, again, we're very I, much I, in a similar. I quit style, a lot, right? right? Doing, I, wanting to do God's will and wanting to also run a business that is service oriented and makes good money and profitable. They don't have to be out of conflict. Yeah, it'll. It, the line like will merge. All you have to do is pray about it every day. Like God, how do we merge the line? God, yeah. at the morning and the night, right? Thanks for this amazing day. Your yeah. will be done. Like, and then you start seeing people. It's like a movie that's already written. You're like, whoa. That guy was our, I, how did I see him in the movie already? Yeah. It really is magical. Yeah. Well, this yeah. has been really phenomenal. If people want to get a hold of you, Ian, it's a, it's a, uh, what's your website address? How can people www.ianconiac.com is my website. I'm working actively on launching a coaching platform for sales reps to go from good to great, to master not only the, the skills, but also the mindset, the habits, um, that that get you there really a fusion of personal development and sales training that that doesn't exist and and so um, it will be launched by the end of January just go to my website just ianconiac.com slash contact and you can get on the wait list for that or just shoot me a dm on linkedin if if this message resonates and there's things that especially on the faith side or on the personal story side or addiction recovery anything that you need i, I take calls all the time to help men in need and that's my service to god yes, is yes. is paying forward you know what i've been through and helping others get through similar struggles so if if, if there's anything that resonates that you want to share that i can help you with i can certainly make time and, and we can jump on a call but shoot me a dm on linkedin and uh, i have a youtube channel where i have all my videos posted that's youtube.com slash ian Koniak. Wow. Well, very enjoyable conversation. Congratulations for, you know, threading the needle because those times can be tough. And I just thank God for your son that he made it through. And that was, that's, that's super important. So, Hey, I never, I I've just starting to finish in prayer. So why don't we do that here on the podcast? I've only done it a few times. God, thank you for bringing Ian Koniak to the podcast today. He shared so many experiences with so many men in our country right now. It's so easy to go to your phone and oops, there's another link. So God, just let the people know who are listening today that it's normal that the devil's trying to get in using that door. And, and it's up to us to stop that because you think it won't lead to somewhere bad. And then it does. Your four-month-old baby could have not made it as a result of the patterns of addiction that we face because we're fallible. We're humans. And so the prayer, all you have to ask, there's a salvation prayer, Google it. And it's super simple. And that's, God says, don't over Einstein it. It's just take these sins from me and help me because I can't do it with my own accord. People find themselves in prison, like Billy Dyson, 33 times later, his father, prison multiple times, now his son. And it doesn't have to be that way. He finally woke up at the bottom and said, you know what? take it away from me. And guess what? He does. And he does it over and over and over again through eternity. So if this hit you today, just try it. Ask the prayer tonight before you go to bed, just like Ian did. And I promise you, you just follow the thread, bookend your day with prayer. And within a very short period of time, if not that moment, he lifts it from you and gives you salvation. So thank you everybody for joining the Living Rivera Story podcast. Thank you, Ian. Uh, I pray this all in your name and Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chad. All right. Thanks everybody. We'll catch you on the next living a better story podcast. Thank you for joining us on the you matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth 
that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.